everybody. It's the end of the year extravaganza. Not quite, but we're, we're wrapping the year up with the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Joel. With me is... Hey, guys. What's going on? It is Jason. Jason, I don't... I'm trying to think of some zany banter here. Oh, here's some zany banter. We were going to talk about what we were going to do at the top of the episode before we started recording, but I guess we'll just... Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll wing just, it. Yeah, we'll just wing it. That's the way we roll the best. So do uh, you guys get to see, uh, uh, this is like one of those reality shows, like the making of a champion. So you get to hear our boardroom meeting. So Jason, should we just talk about like games that we suggest people buy for Christmas right now? Like while they still can go buy them or should we do an episode too late? Uh, no, I think we should just talk about it now. We can do it. Yeah, we'll just get it done in like five minutes. So my, I was thinking about this, my pick for a light game that I think everybody should own. If you don't own it, just you should own it is for sale. You can get it for like 15 bucks, and that's a great gift. I bought anybody can play it. I played it with my 80-year-old grandpa at one point, 80-plus-year-old grandpa. So that's my pick for a light game. You got a light game off the top of your head you think everybody should get? Yep, Dice Forge. Ooh, that's a great one. Yeah, that's like one of my go-to uh, light games, and I will probably play it if somebody asks, or I may even bust it out. I, I like that game a lot. The uh, the dice in that and like all the components you get, it's actually a really cheap game for all the cool stuff that comes in that box it really it really is it's nice uh my medium game and i it's 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 upper end of medium is uh coimbra i think that game's pretty awesome um it's pretty readily available right now i think um anybody who's a kind of serious board gamer uh or someone looking to make those next steps into board gaming uh will really enjoy this game it'll be a game that stays in your collection for for years and years and years so coimbra yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, if you didn't pick that, I would pick it. But I'll go with Rajas of the Ganges. Ooh, excellent. That's got dice. It's got worker placement. I think that would be a good you know, step up from some simpler games. Not difficult, but there's a little bit more going on. Yeah, that's a great game. Uh, and then heavy. Man, that's hard because heavy games are kind of expensive. And I don't want to tell people to go out and blind buy a heavy game. But, I mean, I don't know. If you are going to go out and buy a heavy game... Ah, uh, just jump in, man. Get that Lisboa. Yeah, that's a good one. I I might say brass, the new brass, because I think people would like to look at that a little better. So I'll go with brass for mine. There's a new and shrink copy of old brass at my uh, local game shop too. If you're if you're a real Jason out there and you want to have that old copy, <laughs> that's awesome. Your shop is the best, man. I need to go check it out. It is. It's really good. Uh, I I think if we ever have RivetCon up here, uh. That'd be awesome if you can make it up. We'd have it at that shop. I'm sure he'd be happy to have us. So the only thing that's bad about it is like literally he gets raccoons in the drop ceiling sometimes. So, uh, but uh, we'll not talk about that <laughs> anymore, I guess. It happens. I mean, I'm not scared of no raccoon. I'm playing games. They can wait their turn. Yeah. And I mean, like, <laughs> that's why they put the shrink on those games to keep the raccoon pee out of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's fine. Everything's good. Yeah. I think so too. Well, cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess this episode we're looking forward to talking about our top 10s from 2018, but we're not going to give you all 10 this week. We're going to give you numbers 10 through 6, um, that and some news and some what we played. But first, let's do that catchy bumper. All right, so I have a couple pieces of news today that I wanted to talk about, and there are two games the first game I picked only because it's a theme that I haven't seen in gaming before, a ballet company. And the game is called On Point, the ballet board game. It's by Richard McRae. And essentially what you're doing is you're moving from like beginner ballerina to 
full-time ballerina putting on dance recitals and all that. And I don't really know what the mechanisms are because I couldn't figure that out by looking at it, but it looks like you're doing some set collection and maybe some worker movement trying to, you know, get in front of other people, kind of like a race. So it looks like a race meets like set collection. And if you're interested in that, it has 24 days left on Kickstarter. And I think it's $44 American. It's it's a Canadian project, so keep that in mind with shipping and all that. So if you want a game about ballet because the theme is interesting, I say go check it out. Yeah, this is one that he like dares you to back it. It's like, yeah, I've got this really cool improving your stance and becoming more competitive type thing that would work really great with like boxing or really a lot of themes, but I'm going to pick ballet. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, I think he has some daughters that are in ballet because a lot of the reviewers that he picked have daughters that are in ballet. So I'm assuming it's close to him with the theme. So either way, I thought it was worth mentioning because, again, I've never seen a ballet theme game. So figure I'd spotlight it a little bit. That's cool, man. It's going to grow the hobby, be broader than – I mean, if they did make a boxing theme or a chivalry theme or you're trying to rise up and become a knight, I mean, like you're not going to attract anybody new with that. And I think right. just, just last week we talked about how we need different designers with different perspectives. So pretty cool that this one's happening, I guess. Yeah, it had some pretty neat, neat components too, which I thought was neat for a Kickstarter game. So, And any game that's on Kickstarter that doesn't have minis, I like to talk about it. So that's one point for that game. You do. Uh, the next game, yeah, I do. I really do. Uh, the next game I want to talk about is called Chai, like Chai Tea. Right. And this is from Dan and Connie Kazmaier. And essentially what this game is, it's a resource management contract fulfillment game. You're trying to collect ingredients and flavorings for these teas to satisfy the wants of these customers that are coming into your shop. And every time you complete uh, an order, you're going to get tips from the customer and whoever has the most money at the end of the game is the winner. So it's a light-ish game, kind of looks blendery a little bit the way it plays. So I'm pretty pumped about this one and it has 23 days to go already funded so if you want this game go check it out it's a light family game so don't expect like you know the gallerist or something heavy from it but it definitely looks fun and i can't wait to try it maybe hopefully eventually they love this project they're doing so much publicity on it i've just seen it everywhere um i think i've gotten a bunch of emails about it myself and uh just they really do love this project so anybody who has passion for something i think it's worth checking out so that one i am actually pretty intrigued by i haven't looked at it too much yet but i think based on just you being interested in it jason you're you're my filter you've run through a lot of stuff and tell me what's good so i'll go check this one out yeah i mean the guys the the guy dan he's messaged me a couple times and he's super nice and he's like i haven't seen a creator that loves their game more than this guy so yeah and it's a a guy and his wife, they're just putting out a game because they love tea, love to make games. So, yeah, definitely support them if if you want a fun little light game. Very cool. Uh, do you know what the cost is on this one? Where are we at price point? I don't. I thought it was 35 or 40 That may be a little high because I think they're from Canada as well. So, I, I don't know. I can look it up real quick, and I'll get back to you after you say your thing. That was, uh, that was Jason being passive-aggressive because he doesn't want to hear this news. <laughs> no, I'm fine with it. No, really. I was just thinking about looking at Well, this it's up. bad news, Jason. <laughs> it's bad news. Turns out our board game rankings have been wrong this whole time. And uh, <laughs> Danish Vatvani has a blog at danishvatvani.github.io um, or dvatvani at github or .github.io if you want to check out the whole work there. He found that there was a uh, relationship between weight of games 
and ranking of games on a whole when he did a when he did a like scatter plot. And so he corrected that. So he thankfully corrected the board game uh, geek ratings of the top 100 games and then some. Um, so with that, I want to go ahead and let you guys know uh, what the best games are. Uh, number one is Pandemic Legacy, which I think was uh, you know the number one game for a while anyway. But that one went up a spot, so that's that's good. I'm glad it's number back, back to number one. Number two is a very good game that people love very much and didn't get tired of very quickly, and that's Codenames. I see people uh, playing this one still a lot. <laughs> Codenames. Yeah, that is true. People do love this game. <laughs> I've never seen a game come on stronger and then leave faster than Codenames, I think. I don't know. That's just in my circle of people, I guess, but... Yeah, uh, code names. Seven Wonders Duel number three, Gloomhaven four, uh, Crokinole five. So I mean, like this is you can see kind of how he tilted these adjust adjusted these things. But Lisboa, boy, it did not do well in this. It dropped to number seven ninety, and the Galarus is down to five sixty six. So sorry, Vidal, your games aren't good. We're gonna burn those babies because we found out. We only liked him because of heaviness bias. So um, I don't know. It's just an interesting experiment with some data and some things like that. But I think um, both 5-Minute Dungeon and Spot It went up over 500 spots into like the top 200. Um, just, I don't know, pretty funny, some of the stuff that he had. And I I really, like, I enjoy data. Um, and so I spent a lot of time looking at his his entries on this. And then he has another one where he looks at historical information about the rate of which board games came out. And he kind of like, I don't know, he doesn't posit, but I posited based on his data that really the board game golden era was 1900 to 19, 1930 or so. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, like basically, well, I mean, like if you look at the rate of uh, growth, in that era, like the percentage of growth, like so the percentage increase of games that were coming out in the 1900s and 1930s, it was like astronomical. Like they were like tripling the amount of games that came out every year back then. And now we're only well, going yeah. up by like 5.7%. So the other thing that's kind of interesting too is he like basically takes a line starting at 1900 and going through modern era. And like the growth is completely linear. So people saying this is a big bubble that like we're, whoa, look at all these board games that are coming out. Um, it's actually like there was a lull in like the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, even into 70s. And then like it kind of got caught back up in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. Um, really starting about 1985 is when, is when the stuff started catching up again. But I mean, honestly, if you look at the outliers of the years that were like, whoa, that's way off this linear growth. Like seriously, nineteen twenty five is like insane. Like in nineteen thirty, and those have got to be the years that like Monopoly and stuff came out, and people were like, "Whoa, what are these new cardboard contraptions? We're gonna make one ourselves." I don't know. I, I mean, a lot of games did come out back then that we still see Parker Brothers and Hasbro putting out, like Monopoly. So um, I don't know, man. I think calling this a board game golden era is kind of goofy. Also, saying that games that are heavy get bias to be better than they really are is kind of ridiculous too is really ridiculous like that that means every game lower than like 200 are like gateway games you're telling me there's not one heavy game that can break the top 200 uh, on his list yeah uh i'm looking at the top 10 here i saw gloomhaven that's not a heavy game by any means no it's not um i mean uh Ticket to, of the Madness might be the heaviest thing on here. Ticket to Ride, 10th anniversary? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's super heavy. It's like 40 pounds, maybe. <laughs> yeah, heavy by weight. Yeah, for it's sure. It's not Gloomhaven. 40 pounds either. It's maybe 14 pounds. Gloomhaven should be number one if we're going by that 
adults uh, criteria. No, I mean, like, uh, Through the Ages dropped to, like, number 60 from number three. So, I mean, like, his his logic behind it and his math is all really impressive. But I really think that heavy games are better games. I mean, honestly, and it's, it's probably because the audience is a little more selective and they're more likely to rate a game higher if they are that selective audience, that it matches their interests. So I get that. But at the same time, like... I don't know. There's just so many crummy light games out there. So I think the idea that light games are bad kind of does match because it's so much easier to put out like a little terrible trick taking or matchmaking or set collection game um, right. and just publish it yourself and get it out. And it's not very good. Whereas when you're doing a Vidal Asserta type thing, I mean, that guy, he play test games for like years before he, he really even starts thinking about publishing them. And on Mars, like, I don't know, this is kind of fun to just talk about on, on his, on his discord, the on Mars discord where he's doing playtesting he's making like significant rule changes to this game like he's like yeah we got to change this we got to overhaul this whole big thing and he's not afraid to do it it's pretty awesome so um i mean like i think these heavy games they are good because they're just so refined and they get so much treatment whereas when i make my like newly themed version of goldfish that's called go puppy and it's different breeds of dogs i mean that's not very good you know so i mean uh patent pending on go puppy by the way um <laughs> coming to kickstarter in 2019 <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know like this list just makes me angry i look at the top 100 and there's so many good games in there and then this guy's telling me that croaking hole crocodile however the crap you say it is number five really yeah I, i've always said crocodile um I mean, sorry, Jason, that Gallerist isn't even in the top 500 anymore. Don't apologize to me. He needs to apologize to Vidal Acerta. I, listen, I'm going to give him my copy of Lisboa away now that I know it's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's complete complete crap. Uh, I'm the board game champion of the people. I only play top 100 games, bud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to burn all my games. I'll keep around uh, Ghost Blitz and Bob Ross Happy Little Accidents because I'm sure it's going to be top 20 now. His... his uh, his blog is really interesting, though, at dvatvani.github.io. I will probably put a link to this on our Facebook page so people can enjoy it. I put enjoy in Cody Fingers, but that doesn't translate <laughs> on a podcast very well. Yeah, you can't, you can't hear that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I did look up Chai just to tie that back in, and it's uh, $50, which may be a little much for the game, but that is what it is. Cool. Canadian or... Uh, doesn't look like it. I think that's U.S. Hmm. Okay. And in other news, I was really interested in Chai. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of a lot for what's essentially a card collecting game, right? I mean... Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I, I just... I've passed on a couple of Kickstarters. It's not this one in particular. I'm not trying to badmouth any Kickstarters because, again, this guy definitely loves his game. Um, but there's been a couple of Kickstarters that have come out lately, like City with Broad Shoulders. Like, I really want that game. I want it badly. But by the time it ships and I get it, I don't think you're getting that much that's Kickstarter exclusive. And it was going to be like 100 bucks. And I know that game will be on sale online or at my local shop for like between 60 and 80. And so it's like I can wait the extra month to find a retail copy. So. Maybe the same thing with Chai. And I mean, like, I don't know. It's just, I, I guess we're getting into one of my pet peeves here, Jason, too, is where people treat Kickstarter like it's like a charity or something. Like, we have to do these things to be philanthropic to the board game community. No, we don't. Like, if you don't want to support it, don't support it. If you do, do. I mean, like, there's sometimes things that make you happy and make you want to, you know, 
support people on there and give them a little extra money um, because they incentivize it or because you just really like the project and want to see it come to life. There's times where you go, hey, Queen Games, just sell me your game. So, I mean, and we've talked about that before. So, I don't know, whatever. That's my rant about Kickstarter this week. Next week, I'll have a new one. (laughs) Next week, coming up. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I I don't have much to say on this stuff, so I think I can just go on and talk about some fun stuff of games that I played. Right after a bumper, probably. All right, so I am going to talk about one game that I played, and it's a game that's been out for a bit. I don't know how long, but it's one of Roxley's earlier games, and it is called Super Motherload. Careful. Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah so essentially what this is it's like dig dug the board game if you've ever played that where you're taking this little guy and you're digging down into the earth to try to unlock uncover like gems and stuff but you're doing it in this game through deck building so everybody has um 16 cards that they have access to that they can buy and they're only their cards so they're going to play cards from their hand digging to get gems to put these gems on these cards to unlock them to get them into their deck. It's a small deck building game, so you're probably only going to buy maybe six, seven cards throughout the game by the time the game's over, but it's still deck building. So if you like deck building and you like deck building games with a board like Clank and uh, I can't think of another one, check this one out. It's really fun and it's kind of quick too. I think we played a four-player game in like an hour. So yeah, that's Super Motherload by Roxley. Trains. Trains is oh, a yeah, deck builder yeah. with a board. Yeah, that's right. Trains. I knew there was another one, but I couldn't There's think of it. There's a few, I think, but uh, a few acres of snow, um, which is a pretty awesome game, actually. Uh, okay, so that sounds pretty interesting. Uh, again, Roxley, I think we're getting you guys some love because uh, we're giving you guys some love. Maybe getting some from these people listening, but Roxley is, is an up-and-comer. I mean, I really think so. Uh, so I've enjoyed a lot of their offerings. This one, I guess, would probably be included. Um, it looked cool when you had pictures of uh, up of it on the table. It looked like a really intriguing game. It seemed like it had pretty good components. Yeah, it has really neat art because everybody has their own, like, four characters that are, like, their astronauts or whatever. So I had, like, animals uh, and some zombies. There were I don't know what everybody else had because I was playing my own, and everybody has their own color. So, yeah, the components are pretty nice. They're thick um, cardboard chits. The cards are really nice. So, yeah, it's pure Roxley style. They do what they do and that's make good games with great components so good game here indeed uh i played okay so i'm going to start off by saying i had one of my my favorite board gaming experiences of 2018 followed immediately by one of my least favorite board gaming experiences of 2018 um and that's <laughs> because i played dinosaur island and then i had to put dinosaur island away in the box so uh dinosaur island did did fulfill that watch is over. Gugong Watch begins, which is looking like January now at the earliest uh, for your update there on that one. So we can be obsessive about Gugong now, I guess. But uh, Dinosaur Island, got a chance to play it. Didn't play it with the expansion yet because I wanted to just kind of remember what the base game was about. It's been, I think I played it first in January or February. So um, got it out, really enjoyed playing it, had a good time playing it. It was just a, a pretty enjoyable game. Um, my wife played it, who is not typically into like heavyish games. Um, and this one's squarely a medium, I would say. Um, so anyway... Uh, she played it. She kind of figured it out, kind of got her park to make some dinosaurs, got a bunch of points, and actually kind of enjoyed it. She enjoyed building the dinosaurs. So um, had a lot of fun with it. 
And then, I mean, like, I kind of was feeling this before we even played, but that box and the insert and just how we store things in that, don't, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I don't know. I think today my message to you, Jason, was I would have, I would have paid at least 10 bucks more to give this the storage treatment that Wasteland Express Delivery Service got. Um, I just, the storage on this, the storage solutions on this are really bad. Uh, there's no way you can fit expansion and base game into one box. And, you can't even really find a way. I mean, I've tried to figure out the best way to put mostly the base game in one box and then some of the expansion in the, in the other box. Um, but it's just the whole thing just doesn't work out really that well um, for storage. I got rid of the insert. Everything fits okay now. But the base box is really full. The expansion box is pretty empty. But there's stuff I have to have for the base game in the base game box that I don't want to put in the expansion box, etc. It would have just been really nice if they would have just been like, hey, we're going to make this a nice bigger, the next big size box, the Wasteland Express size box, and give you guys game trays to put all this stuff away properly. So... Um, that just would have been awesome. I, and I mean, honestly, if they came out with a deluxe box edition, um, just where you can get the box and the game trays, I think I'd probably consider it pretty hard. Yeah. The boxing situation is horrible. Like I barely have enough room for one box and now I got to store two boxes for the same game. That is terrible. And I have all my dinosaur bits and cards in one box and I fit everything else in the other, but man, it's, it's crazy that we had to use two boxes for this game. Well, and then the other piece too is I I haven't played with the expansion yet, so that's full full disclaimer there on this. But I'm reading through the dis the uh, the expansion module rules, and one your complaint, which I'm just gonna. Well, do you want to talk about it? You want to talk about the solo on the expansion here? Yeah, um, one the solos uh, rules are not listed in the rule book for the expansion, so I had to actually post on the one of the board game groups to the designer of the solo and say, Hey, where are these rules? And then he posted me to the, sent me to this link. The link didn't make any sense. So I still have no idea really how to play the solo version. So that kind of does it in a little bit. And when you're playing solo, the one thing I do know is before in the base game, you just had to play your own board. There wasn't a separate board for the other person. Now there's like a whole separate park board that you have to run for the AI. So it takes up more table space. So yeah, I'm, I was not happy with that at all. Yeah, um, that was kind of rough. And then, and then the expansion. I'm reading through the rules on it, and I don't know. There's there's basically four modules. One is going to be really, I think, useful all the time. The aquatic dinosaurs, I think, is going to be a fun thing to play with all the time or most of the time. Um, but the other ones, I don't know. They, I don't know how well they fit into the mix. So I'm curious to play with those. I'm not going to judge anything yet, but. They just, uh, the executives seem like they're going to change the game quite a bit. I don't know if it's for a positive or not. And then those, I don't even know what they call the name of this module, but the little cardboard, like sideboards you have, or you can get a casino or whatever that is a part of your park. It's interesting. The facilities and the executives. Yeah, they go together. Yeah. I mean, the executives seem kind of interesting. And yeah, yeah, you do like a snake draft kind of thing to try and balance those as best you can. Um, and then the, the module, the, um, blueprints module, I think you pointed out, you were like, man, these do not feel balanced at all. Like there's three large carnivores on some of them. And then the other ones have, you know, three herbivores. So you can get three herbivores on the board real quick, but taking, taking uh, time to get large carnivores. I think, I actually think if you do more than maybe one large carnivore, you're, you're probably, unless you're playing a long game, not going to 
make yourself super competitive just because you've got to get so much advanced DNA to make those dinosaurs while everyone else is just like scrambling to get the ob- other objectives done. So I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to playing with those modules and seeing what they do. The The actual components of the game themselves themself are really great. People are complaining about these little like hair hairlines on the meeples, the plastic meeples. I think they look kind of cool, actually. I have them on mine. It looks like you have dinosaurs with like wrinkles and scars on them. So it's kind of cool. Um, but people are upset about that a little. Um, we talked about the other stuff they're upset about and they have come out and said, we're going to try and fix this stuff in this way. Um, since then. So I think they're doing the right things to try and make this thing right. But I just, I would say I'm a little disappointed that this is a deluxe edition and the box is certainly not deluxe and the storage is not deluxe. So, um, I wish they would have done a little more with that, but I think maybe, I mean, if you could probably get them to tell the truth and just, uh, you know, be real, real honest with you. They might say the same thing too. Just Wasteland Express was done so well with all the components in that in those trays, and you get that game out and you can play it so quickly. Whereas with Dinosaur Island, like I think you're the one who said, I love this game, but I don't want to play it because it just takes forever to set up and it takes up so much space. So I don't know. There's some stuff. The mechanics of the game, the design of the game is pretty awesome. The execution with the components and the different modular boards and stuff, I think leaves a little to be desired. Yeah, I mean, I'll still play it. It's just, I think, man, I could play something else that's a little more fulfilling and take the same amount of time setting up. So then I always lean toward that. <laughs> so if I could figure out a way to set this up faster, yeah, I would definitely play it more. Yeah, and this might be one where I actually buy like a Meeple Realty or something insert to try and make that happen. But even then, um, on one of the threads I was reading, boy, my voice just got a little cracked there. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, on one of the threads I was reading on Board Game Geek or something, the guy was like, man, you made this box smaller than the old deluxe edition. So I'm not sure if I can make my insert work for this box without it not uh, like hanging open like a half inch at the bottom. So I, I don't know. It's just uh, a weird deal. Um, I guess the other thing, too, is you guys know how hyped we were about this. Um, anytime that you have that kind of hype, you're going to have some level of disappointment. But that said, I do love the game. Playing the game was a great experience. And I would say this game is probably higher in my top 100 as a game by itself. Not having to consider the storage and just kind of some of the hiccups that are coming along the way with it. Yeah, I agree. I still love the game and it's probably going to stay where it is on my top 100 for sure. But just wish it wouldn't be the the few things that I've seen so far haven't been a disappointment. Hey, Jason, I've got some good news. What's that? We've made it. We finally arrived as a brand. I know this because we're getting solicited by generic card company making companies <laughs> yeah i saw that today i responded to it actually <laughs> we yeah we got a message that hey we found a way to make some some really cool playing cards so i guess whenever we want to make our custom playing cards for our patreons or i don't know we keep joking that we're going to do that and someday we probably will but i i uh i know where we can get them at now yep for sure probably pretty cheap too I would hope. <laughs> I actually, I but <laughs> the funniest version of myself wants to share this information with all you guys because we did not request it, and they're just soliciting stuff. You guys want to know the phone number and email? I could tell you. Um, <laughs> yeah, LinkedIn profile, all that. <laughs> all right. Well, I've rambled long enough. Dinosaur Island. I hope. I hope that I can be clear on my stance is that it's a great game with a kind of a bad storage solution. Uh, and I wish it was just executed a little better, but I, I mean, I get it's not going to be perfect. So that's that. (laughs) 
All right, so today is part one of our favorite games of 2018, like real games for 2018. Like we did another one of these that were new to us games for 2018, but these games actually came out in 2018. So we're going to do numbers 10 through 6 today, and we'll tell you a little bit about the game, why we like it, and then next week we'll go into our top five. So you're going to get to hear about some good games this this week and next episode, so stay tuned, and hopefully you dig what we dig. Hey, I'm going to go ahead and make a rule, too, for the board game mechanics, Jason. This is one of those things where I'm going to just talk to you like live on air here or whatever we want to call this. Okay. I, I feel like our year should run from Essen to Essen. I think that should be our year. I think that we should begin our year, year with Essen releases and end it like pre-Essen releases. Like, I don't know. I just think that makes sense. Like, it's just so weird how stuff gets released. So actually, I, I want to say that like the stuff that's Essen this year we should count as 2019 just because there's a lot of that stuff that just isn't available yet. So technically, uh, Teotihuacan is an 18 release, but I haven't seen a copy in the wild yet. I don't know if you have, um, just a lot of that nope. stuff. So, I mean like that kind of makes sense. Maybe we'll talk about that more next year when we get ready to do this list. But that's, that said, I guess I just say that just to mention that this is our 2018 list. There's some really noteworthy games that I haven't played yet. And I think Jason hasn't played yet. And so their absence from our list might just be an availability thing. Um, we're not trying to snub any games. And then the other thing, too, is like if you're listening to this in 2024 and there's some game that came out that we don't know about yet, um, sorry, we didn't hit it. But like really, honestly, board game releases kind of trickle out. So Rajas of the Ganges and Dinosaur Island and some of the games that were 2017 games technically were really kind of still hot in 2018 and seemed to be new. So, I mean, it's not like a movie where they have a release date and it's widely available in thousands of theaters. So it's kind of hard to do these release dates and award kind of things. Um, it's not like a video game release where it's in every Walmart and Best Buy on a specific street date. Um, street dates are a lot softer with board games. So these are ones, though, that we're, we're saying this for this year at least were the ones that were were the... Um, 2018 year on Board Game Geek is the most official way we need to do it. So these are all labeled as 2018 on Board Game Geek, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. Totally agree. All right, so I'll get started with my number 10. Uh, this is a game that I played once, and I didn't love it. I played it again, and I liked it more, enough to squeeze it into this top 10. So my number 10 is Everdell from Starling Games. And this is um, a tableau builder where you're playing cards doing a little bit of worker placement to get some resources so you can pay for cards. And you're just trying to end the game with the most points over, I think, four seasons. So it has cute little animal meeples. All the art is incredible. Gameplay is pretty simple, but it's still fun. So if you like interesting little card games with a little bit of worker placement, then go check out Everdale. And that is my number 10. So you don't feel like uh, this is a kind of a gimmick game anymore you feel like it's a pretty rock solid game that just happens to be decked out uh, i think the tree is a gimmick i think the game is okay i think if you get rid of that tree that's completely unnecessary i think it's just a good card game it's essentially a card game with uh with fancy bits but i like it so for pragmatic jason he would have much rather this game been 10 bucks cheaper and have no tree in it agreed or no board at all you could just put eight cards out in front of me and i can go pick a card like, if you say got rid of the board, got rid of the tree, you could probably knock 20 bucks off of it for sure. Uh, Jason, my number 10 game is a game that was widely available at big box stores, uh, was a licensed property game. Um, 
a really pretty game, but just definitely a you know crazy pick for me uh, to put on this list because it's not a hobbyist game. And in fact, I think hobby stores were really late to get this game. Uh, that game is villainous. Uh, this game, I really like it still. Uh, I think that it's a game that has issues. It's not perfect. It has some balance things going on with it. It has some things going on with it where luck of the draw can really impact your game to where some people can win pretty quickly and easily. Um, but most games you're going to have are going to be fairly strategic still. And I really like how it has a combination of mechanics that I've not seen before. You're drawing cards out of your hand. You're doing action selection. You're trying to keep those action selection areas strong by fighting off guys that are putting things into your area. I like the two deck thing. That's really neat that you have a bad deck and a good deck and people are playing out of your bad deck onto you, but you're trying to use your good deck to accomplish things. I like the asymmetry of the whole game a lot. I like how all the players just play very differently. They all have their own victory conditions. The art in it's fantastic. The components are really high quality. And the price was pretty cheap. So Villainous gets my number 10 um, just because it was a pretty innovative game, a little different. Um, Had a lot of fun playing that one this year. Yeah, this was on my short list. I thought about putting it on here, but every time I play it, I don't like the length of it. I feel like it's too long for what it is, so... Because of that, I kept it off. The game's fun, but it just outstays its welcome for me a little bit. Fair. All right, so my number nine is a game that Tom Vassell doesn't like, which made me like it a little more, I think. And it was a Kickstarter this year, I think, that delivered recently, a couple months ago. And it is called Gearworks. So this is kind of like a Sudoku board game. You're playing these gear cards, and you can only have one of each color in each row and column. And you got to follow number order in the row based on whoever plays the second card in the row, if it's going to be ascending or descending. And you're putting these gears down to collect uh, machine pieces so you can complete this contraption that you were dealt at the beginning of the round. If you can get both pieces needed for the contraption, you're going to score more points. If you can get one, you'll score half the points. At the end of the game, whoever has the most points is the winner. I think it goes over four rounds. It's a quick game. It's fun. Uh, it's really thinky. Like... For a filler game, it's pretty heady. So I think that's why I like it a little bit because it actually gets my brain gears working a little bit. So that's number nine, and that is Gearworks. Go check that out if you can find a copy. Wow, you really like this one. That's that's crazy. Um, this is one that no one's ever been able to explain to me why it's so good, but it is really good by all accounts. So I need to play this one. Check it out. I have not played it. It did not make my list for that reason. Um, but cool. Uh, Gearworks. Uh, my number nine is a game that not many people have played either, and that's a game called Guardians from Plat Hat Games. Um, Colin Flores was on our show a few weeks back talking about this project, how he loves it, uh, and and how he kind of did it as a love letter to Overwatch. Um, I like Overwatch really a lot, and I can feel the Overwatch vibes in this game. Um, it's a really cool game. It's a neat card game. I like how it's like a shuffle building game, but it is actually a serious take on it. So Smash Up, I think it's just, it's intentionally goofy. It's intentionally a, a game that you're just doing little silly things to try and build a deck and play. Uh, this one, they made you put together this deck of heroes and made a pretty serious kind of strategic heavyish game out of it. Whereas I think Smash Up's trying to be mostly, I'm going to get some funny laughs out of my ballerina death robot faction that I created, you know? So um, 
at any rate, this one is a little more serious version of Smash Up with uh, some feels of Overwatch that you're using a team to try and try and take points of interest and get these cards back. Really nice components, really nice art. Kind of came out of nowhere, Guardians. And I'm, I'm guessing people haven't really seen this one too much yet. Uh, I've got a review of this one up. And Jason, you've got a review of Gearworks up too. I think we have reviews of almost all these games up. Maybe not Everdell. But if you want to know more about these, check out our YouTube channel probably. But number nine for me was Guardians. Yeah, I do like the art on Guardians. I haven't played it and I probably won't. But it does. it is a really nice looking game. So I can see why people will be attracted to it for sure. Uh, my number eight is a two-player game that you can find at the big box stores. At least you could. I don't know if it's still there now. And this game is called Spirits of the Wild. And I'm pretty sure it's by Mattel, which is kind of weird. But this is a two-player game where you're drafting these stones out of a bag. And you're trying to get certain kinds of sets to go along with these spirits and columns on your player board. So say there's a one spirit that you need five different color stones. So you're trying to draft these stones out to get five different colors to score a pile of points. The rub is there are these white stones that if you draft a white stone and you put it on your board, you can no longer put any other stones in that section. So you're kind of closing the scoring. And if you hit a certain number of those white stones that are on both players' boards, the game will end. So you're trying to not take those stones before you need them, but you're also trying to make sure that if your opponent's going to score a bunch of points, maybe you'll end the game early so they don't. It's a good back-and-forth, tug-of-war kind of game that I really enjoy, and that's Spirits of the Wild. Huh, I can't wrap my head around this one. And I have seen this one on sale or for sale at Target in a bunch of like buy one, get one half off sales and not thought to pick it up because I didn't realize it was so hyped by you or that you liked it so much. And I really do trust your taste in games for the most part. So this is one I may have to look more seriously at. It's really good. I mean, if you're into two player games at all, this is definitely one you should check out. It takes about 20 minutes and it's a good time the whole entire time. So I really like it a lot. When you were describing it, I in my head was visioning your number six game. So like, I guess maybe when you get to number six, you can tell me that I'm wrong and tell me why, but like it kind of reminded me of number six in some of the ways you described it. So like, I guess we don't want to spoil your six, but, and I don't want to talk about it anymore right now, but maybe (sighs) when we get to six, we'll talk about why I'm wrong or why there is something there. I don't know. Right. Sounds good. Number eight for me is temporal odyssey. This came to us from level 99 games. Uh, again, this one kind of came out of nowhere too. I think this one's been kind of a critical hit with the that um, kind of dueling card game kind of crowd. Um, people really love this game in that circle. Uh, it's got a really active community. It's just a neat game where you're playing with like uh, kind of like time travel kind of aspects and multiple realities and just uh, it takes a toll on you to travel in time too much so you want to not get kicked out of your time periods and just um it's just kind of a neat game where you're playing with these characters just dueling again and i had a hard time deciding if i like guardians better or temporal odyssey better i think i like temporal odyssey a little better um it's just got a little more depth into it um but they're both kind of games where you're just playing down cards onto your table trying to battle and beat somebody else and they both are games that i would suggest strongly to anybody out there who enjoys um like a magic the gathering kind of game but doesn't want to spend that kind of money or doesn't want to have to spend the time to really customize a deck. So Temporal Odyssey and Guardians were my last two picks, and they really kind of could be interchangeable depending on my mood, but Temporal Odyssey is a pretty good game. Uh, I like it quite a bit. Yeah, I like the artwork on this one too. Level 99 has some cool games, not 
games I'm super interested in because it's a lot of combat stuff, but this one does seem kind of interesting. I might have to play this one eventually. The one I want to play with you still is Millennium Blades because there's not really a lot of fighting on that one. It's a lot of kind of do your own thing and try and build your own like Magic the Gathering deck. And it does kind of feel like you're opening packs of Magic the Gathering cards when you're playing. So it's pretty fun. Um, but this one's not like that at all. And I just followed a rabbit down a trail. Um, anyway, back to our list. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so my number seven is a game that they had a few copies at Gen Con. And I believe it might have officially come out at Essen. I don't know. I've never seen it in a store yet. So... Maybe it's not even out, but the game is Spell Smashers from Renegade. And this is a word game meets a dungeon crawl. So you're using words from cards in your hand to spell words. And based on however many letters it is and how, what kind of elements. So there'll be like fire, earth, water. So based on the value of the word and the elements depends on what monster in the dungeon you can fight. Because some monsters have weakness to earth. Some monsters have weakness to the letter B or whatever. So you're going to try to kill these monsters to get these monsters to come join you. And then you're going to have permanent use of the letter of the monster. It's a really fun game. It's essentially like paperback and hardback, but a little more going on. And if you're into word games and into interesting themes, I definitely recommend Spell Smashers. I always say Smell Smashers every time. So Spell Smashers is cool. Go check it out. I highly recommend it. Cool. I that's interesting because I'm glad we're doing this list because I've I, you know I've heard you talk about it and you always seem really positive about it, but for it to be number seven on this list is pretty high, man. That's pretty great. Uh, cool. Spell Smashers number seven. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> it's not easy. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, Renegade doing some cool stuff. Really, honestly. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. That- they really are. Frank DiLorenzo's home stretch is amongst the rest games, but oh, that's R and R, isn't it? Yeah, that's R and R. They're a little different. <laughs> They're quite a bit different, but R and R did some good stuff this year too. I'm that's trying to true. think. Renegade was Renegade did uh, Arboretum this year and some other stuff like that, right? Yes, correct, correct. Yes. Yeah, R and R, R and R though, still solid. And the Restoration, the other R game, did pretty well too. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. My number seven, Jason. I'm just trying to lighten this one up before I say it because you're gonna just you're gonna sigh and groan. <laughs> I liked Gizmos, Jason. I just I don't know what else to say. I thought it was a good little engine builder. It's quick, um, it's fun, it's really easy to get on the table. And I feel like um I don't know, I can see where you're coming from. There might be balance issues where if you just go for those bottom row cards and just burn through the game, it can it can work to your advantage. But I've also seen where people can, you know, focus on the higher level cards. Just I don't think you can focus too much on those higher level cards. That's definitely a fair criticism. But it's a cool game. You're collecting marbles, trying to make a machine that gets more marbles for you to spend to make your machine even better. So it's just a pure machine builder. It feels like you're making a Rube Goldberg machine. Um, Pretty fun. The fact they put marbles into it is kind of a gimmick, but it also, more than that, makes resource management or resource not even management resource like tracking your resources and your things that you can use to do more building like currency tracking um well a lot easier a lot quicker so uh i would say this is an awesome filler game i mean like i think you can play a game of this in 35 minutes and that puts it pretty close to that filler game level um i i really enjoy this one i have it in my collection i think it'll stay there for a while yeah i like looking back on it like i don't hate this game i just 
I was excited to play it because I thought the idea was cool. And then as I was playing it, I kind of got deflated a little bit. So I think that's part of my problem is I was a little hyped about it and then it didn't live up to the hype. So that's on me. That's not really on the game. That's on me. But I just wanted more. Yeah, I think I probably contributed to the hype engine because I really liked it. And I think I talked it up before you played it, maybe. Um, but it was also kind of hyped by everybody. I mean, it was a right, huge yeah, presence yeah. from CMON at multiple conventions this year. I mean, so I, I don't know. I could see where hype could lead someone to not feel like it's amazing. But I really did like this game. And I think, I don't know. I mean, I'd give it a four out of five for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so my number six is a game that I was super pumped about. Got it at Origins. Dropped the review pretty quickly after, and I really like it. It's a push-your-luck game, and it is called The Legend of the Cherry Tree That Blossoms Every Ten Years. Um, and essentially what you're doing is you're reaching into a bag, you're pulling out some cherry blossom petals, and you're trying to not get three of a kind, and you're trying to just get pairs or as many different ones as you can to score a pile of points. That's the whole game. It's push-your-luck takes 20 25 minutes i really like it i know a lot of people don't like it as much as me but i really enjoy it that's why it's my number six on this list so legend of the cherry tree is what we'll call it for short so go check that out if you like push your luck two things let me translate what jason just said there i know a lot of people don't like this as much as as much as i do it means after <laughs> was, after playing 10 hours of board games in a day and this being the last game we played i i wasn't super into it i don't think it's bad but i was like I was kind of like, you know what? Eventually the odds have got to go in my favor if I get super, super aggressive drawing these pedals out of there. So, I mean, like you can draw a lot fewer pedals than I was drawing at one time. Um, but I was just kind of being stupid and still kind of have an okay game with time with the game. Um, it's got cool components for sure. So spirits, uh, of the wild and, and this game, are they even like at all or like totally different? No, you draw some stuff out of a bag. But in spirits, you put it in a bowl to use for like drafting later. So you know what you can, you can already, you can see what it is. It's not like you're drawing it out randomly to what happens, happens. Outside of that, they have nothing in common at all. So like it's like collecting colors, like sets of colors, but that's the only thing they really have in common. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I really like Spirits of the Wild, is what you're saying. You should. It's amazing. So yeah. I, you also think Legend of the Cherry Tree that blossoms every 10 years and That's true. in the Japanese meadow full of beautiful art and petals dot yeah. com is a great game, too. <laughs> I really do like that game. I don't know. It's, I just like it. I, I can't help it. A great game. Absurd title. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's not bad. I, I would play it again if somebody was like, hey, we need another to play this. Or even if I didn't have anything else going on, I would definitely play it. Um, I'm probably not going to own a copy, but it's perfectly fine. All right. My number six is one that Jason won't own. So it's fine. We can have different tastes in games. Or play. Or play. Western Legends. It's just a cool <laughs> sandbox game. It's Red Dead Redemption the the board game you can go out and play it however you want to play it i've seen people win this game bunches of different ways i've seen people just hang out and gamble and and spend money on on the call girls i've seen people go just mine gold i've seen people rob people and smuggle cattle um there's all kinds of ways to win this game western legends is a pretty fun game pretty cool game just go out and it feels like you're it really to me feels like you're playing like you're a kid playing cowboys and you're out in your backyard just playing cowboys, having a good time, and they put some kind of rules and game around it. And the the way how the cards work in this game is really cool too, how they're like playing cards, but they're also power cards and you 
don't want to burn them. It reminds me a little of Doomtown. Uh, and and basically, you want to keep the cards for their high values, but also at the same time, you you might want to spend the card because it's got something really good that can happen for you if you spend it. And then there's an opposite deck too, where you play them onto other people. So if you decide you're going to let the other player win a duel against like the AI by playing a low card, usually there's a really big negative thing that happens to the person. Um, whereas if you play a high card, you might beat the person, but they might even get a benefit out of losing. So it's just clever how the card play works in there too. On top of this, just big fun sandbox game where it feels like you're playing wild west. So, um, Western Legends is my number six. Really enjoyed that game. I'm looking forward to seeing what Colossal Games does. Um, and I think they're one of the cooler companies for being really cool to local board game shops um, with how their model's working and everything like that. So that was my number six. Uh, that wraps up, I guess, our 10 through sixes. Any closing comments on this one, Jason? No, I think this is a pretty solid like first half. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen on the next half. So we'll see. No crossover yet, Jason. I know that's impressive, actually. <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming it's not going to stay like that for long. I yeah, I think we'll have some crossover towards <laughs> the top. Yeah, I would agree with it. There were a few just really excellent games that we both enjoyed quite a bit this year. That will be in the next list. But you know what? Uh, we're not going to tell you them right now. You got to come back next week. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I've been Joel, and I'm Jason. Keep gaming. Keep gaming. <laughs>